Hi, and welcome to the Athena Rising Podcast. I'm Dana. I started a journey long ago to heal myself, and I want to bring you along. I have a master's degree in counseling, plus certifications in Reiki, regression, and hypnosis. My goal is to help women heal our unique emotional pain by showing you all the ways that exist to do just that. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves, we are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Every Tuesday, I'll introduce you to guests, topics, and modalities that will inspire you to try something new on your path. Let's get started. My guest today on the Athena Rising podcast is Josh Parrington. He is a friend of mine who had an incredible growth experience on a spiritual yoga retreat in Peru. There he was able to connect with his inner child and he healed pain that has existed his whole life. He shares with us how we can do it too. No trip to Machu Picchu required, although highly, highly recommended. He also shares stories from his past, and we discuss how men today are evolving into more peaceful, intuitive, and loving warriors. Josh's mission is to help men heal and move into a more balanced way of living so that they can then treat the women in their lives with the love and respect that they deserve. His mission is one that's obviously near and dear to my heart, as it nicely complements the message of my own podcast. I hope you enjoy listening in on this conversation as much as I enjoyed talking with him. Let's just start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? How many kids do you have? Are you married? Just kind of the basics. Yeah, so I'm Josh, right? And I've been married now for uh, a little over three years. It's funny. I just looked uh, at the dates when you and I were about to jump on this call. And I realized that Katie and I, we've been together seven years now this weekend. And um, I had a prior relationship prior to her uh, for about 14 years. And it, this weekend is a very special weekend for me. So it's pretty amazing that you and I are even having this conversation. And it worked out this way. I think it's pretty great. But um, yeah, so Katie's my wife. I have five amazing kids. Whenever I say that out in uh, public, people just look at me like I'm crazy, right? Five kids. So got a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, a uh, four-and-a-half-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and then a little one-year-old that'll be one in about two days, wow. uh, which is pretty amazing. All girls and one boy. And um, yeah, they're pretty amazing, you know, to have four little girls running around and then another uh, another little man's pretty amazing. That's cool. Is your son the youngest? No, he's the second youngest, so he's my two-year-old. Okay, gotcha. All right, yeah. That's interesting you have so many girls, though. <laughs> yeah, I think it's by design, and it's definitely hit me over the last year that there is, this is not by chance that I have four girls, and uh, I definitely feel a calling there. So, And then, so I own a, a roofing company, a construction company. We do external, um, exterior, and then interior work uh, for people. I just kind of fell into that. Uh, not exactly my passion, um, but, you know, it, it, it does some pretty amazing things for our family and other families. And it's actually led me on this healing journey, uh, which is pretty amazing uh, to think about how it's really come full circle for me. You know, passion is more in teaching people about themselves. I teach people how to sell, uh, which is kind of crazy, right? A lot of people think about sales and they think used car salesman approach. So I've really taken to this yoga and mindfulness community to help teach them how to sell authentically uh, and from their heart and that you can actually do that and make a very good living for yourself and feel good about it and not have that used car salesman approach. And then I coach people on um, their finances and, uh, and really help them just kind of put their retirement on steroids. That's kind of paid the bills up through the past 41 years of my life. Wow. Well, kind of go back for me and um, I want to know kind of where your healing journey began. Um, we met through a mutual friend of yours who went on a retreat with you to Peru, but I don't believe that's really actually the beginning of your healing journey, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> this is, um, you know, I'd love for there to be a, uh, you know, a quick pill or something like that that we could take to have ourselves healed, you know, overnight, which I'm not discounting the fact that that probably could happen one day minus the pill. But I will say that it took, years of actually allowing myself to just kind of open up and drop the walls right around me to get to a point where I could actually receive the healing 
um, for me, it started, geez, it probably really started right before my divorce of, uh, you know, my first marriage. So I've been married two times. Um, the first marriage was to, um, you know, kind of high school sweetheart type thing, right? We were kids, grew up together. And long story short, you know, we just, um, we just kind of grew apart, right? Everybody says that at some point you kind of grow apart. And during that time, I was waking up at three o'clock every single morning towards the end of that relationship. And this happened for about 15 nights in a row. And I started realizing you know, there, there may be something to this, right? My dog kept coming to me at exactly three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, what is going on? So I started doing some research. I actually started a website at the time called project3am.org. And it no longer exists. But during that, I started finding all of this information that people were um, were being called out of bed at three o'clock in the morning. And I started realizing that there's a very um, special um, energy around that three to five o'clock in the morning. And I feel like it was source or God or whatever you want to place that higher power label for yourself. I believe it was that person, that entity, that energy calling me. Because it was one of the, absolutely one of the hardest times in my life. I knew that my family was being split apart. I felt intuitively that things were happening in a way that I just didn't agree with. And uh, I really started at that moment listening to my gut. And as a guy, we're not really taught to you know, listen to your intuition, right? That's a mother's gift. Um, and so I started thinking, you know, is there really something to this? Um, you know, kind of ignoring some of it realizing at the very end that all of it was absolutely true. I needed to just listen, you know, to my insides. And so during that time when I would get up, I would go straight outside. I felt like I was being called outside and the trees would talk to me, you know, they wouldn't, I just was being called outside. And wow. that's, and I 100% um, would say that that's the beginning of my healing oh piece. My um, and so when I, you know, when I would go outside, I felt as if, you know, I was just connected, right? I could hear the the leaves, you know, blowing in the wind in a different way. You know, yeah, you can hear it, but were you really hearing it? And I felt like I was being communicated to. So uh, I just started doing some journaling, which again is not really a guy thing, right? That's not something that we're taught to do as young men to uh, to put our feelings out on paper. So I started doing that, and you know, immediately just felt the release. And, you know, just some things happened, obviously, that were super hard, you know, when it came to the moment that I knew that that relationship was ending. Uh, it wasn't so much about her and I. It was absolutely about me and my girls at the time. And, you know, I had two two girls uh, at the time. They were about 10 years old, 10 and 12, 11 and 9-ish. And, uh, you know, was, I just knew it was going to be really hard for them. And so I just remember, Dana, you know, <laughs> laying on the floor in my empty house, face down, you know, just crying out to God, you know, at the time of, you know, why are you allowing this to happen? Like what in the world is going on? At the time I was a deacon of a church. We had about two or 3000 members super deep into, um, you know, religious practices and it served me well at the time. Right. And I feel, um, you know, just things have, have maybe you know, evolved, I guess you would say, for myself. It doesn't mean that that's going to be the case for everybody, but I feel like that's the case for myself. So during that time, I just didn't know how I was going to get through it. Um, I had a mortgage company. You know, it was failing. This was the time of, you know, financial crisis happening across the U.S. and even across the globe. My house was taken from me because I couldn't pay the bills. You know, and as a guy, right, um, we we kind of wear that armor of we just want to be the protectors and the providers for our family. And I was failing. I felt like it both. Right. And so it was extremely difficult. And, you know, the, the thoughts come in, I would never have acted on it, but you know, the thoughts come in of depression and you know, all those things. Right. So that happened. And, you know, roughly a couple months later, uh, at the time I was leading a, a group in what's called network marketing. Right. So it's like an MLM multi-level marketing type company. Um, which basically means you just recruit people and you have teams of people and you know you're you're helping them, right? And so I was leading a training for one of our teams. I had about three thousand people on this team, leading a training on a Saturday, and you know in walks Katie. Um, this is my wife now. 
And it was amazing, you know, just kind of what happened and evolved. You know, she was such a um, such an amazing, you know, breath of fresh air. At the time, I'd already gone through some healing, right? So it wasn't like I was latching on to Katie to be my healer. Uh, it was more of, you know, I just respected so many things that she brought to the table. She was an independent woman. She was strong. She was supporting herself. Her mind was amazing. And we would just have these deep conversations about, you know, spirit and the universe and the galaxy and like all of these energetic things that were happening. And it was just pretty amazing. So I would say that that was the start of uh, this healing journey. Wow. That's amazing. So how long did you guys date before you decided to get married? We dated, um, I guess it was right around a year and a half before we actually decided to get married. Um, but our year and a half, I don't want, don't get it twisted. That year and a half that we were together was probably closer to about a 10 year period of time for most couples. Uh, we were just extremely lucky to, uh, you know, we worked for ourselves and in working for ourselves during that time, we spent all day together and all night together. And yes, we had breaks because we would go to other meetings, but we literally got to spend and see each other, you know, during that year and a half all day. So most couples, right, we, we only get to see each other maybe a couple nights a week on the weekends, you know, when you're dating like that. But yeah, it was about a year and a half. I didn't, uh, I didn't introduce her to my daughters at the time for easily seven or eight months. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that they were protected, you know, and that um, that they kind of understood what was going on as much as they could as, you know, 10, 11 year olds. Oh, yeah, for for sure. I think that's very smart of you. Um, so my listeners might remember Claire Zavko, who has been on a previous episode and you guys met in Peru. Are you willing to kind of share what, um, you know, happened to you in Peru, what you learned there? Yeah, of course. Uh, so we actually, Claire and I actually met before Peru. Okay. Claire's the reason why I went to Peru, um, gotcha. okay. which is pretty amazing. Claire is a soul sister of mine. I absolutely know from, you know, lifetimes before. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's amazing. And if your listeners haven't listened, they need to go back and listen to that. Um, cause she's ridiculously amazing. Yeah. So I met Claire at a, um, a surrender basically experiment for myself. Um, January of this would have been 2018. So a little over a year ago as this podcast probably was released. And again, this was, this was a Katie thing that ended up uh, kind of pulling this together. Katie, my wife, she texted me a, uh, a message through Instagram of a woman named Jennifer Grace was holding a weekend called effortless manifestation in Gainesville, Florida. And it was all centered around Michael Singer and his book, Untethered Soul and the Surrender Experiment. And um, I had no idea who Michael Singer was. I had no idea who Jennifer Grace was. I had no idea who any of these people were, the other 15 women that are going to be at this yoga, mindfulness, meditation retreat. I don't know how to process this, right? So as a guy, you know, to think that your wife is trying to send you mm-hmm. to, a, uh, to a manifestation workshop uh, without her, and there's going to be 15 other women, and you don't even know if there's going to be any guys. So I got on the phone with Jennifer Grace, the lady that was leading this workshop, and you know we connected uh, within seconds. You know she was fantastic. So while we were there, Claire uh, ended up being the guest um, yoga, you know, instructor, right? And so it was my first experience with yoga and meditation. She led me through some things, and it was just you know she was amazing. She has so much wisdom in such a young body. Uh, it's, I mean, it's mesmerizing when you can sit there and just listen, right, to her. So we built a really great relationship. She told me that she's going to be going to Peru. I was like, well, that sounds really cool. About a month or two later, she, uh, you know, reached out to me and said, hey, here's the details on Peru. I felt kind of called, but I didn't know anything about Peru, honestly. And the whole time during that weekend was all about me just kind of listening to my intuition I feel like I need to go this weekend. So much healing that even happened out of that weekend with uh, Jennifer Grace and Michael Singer. And, uh, you know, when I started listening to Claire, I started looking at the Peru experience. I said, you know, like, I'm just going to listen to this and, and see. So I talked to Katie. It's a 10-day excursion to Peru. And I said, you know what, like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to do it. And uh, so we went. It was 
absolutely the trip that started this you know, entire transformation for me. Um, there's something very special and sacred about that land. If, um, if your viewers or listeners have never been to Peru, I would tell you, get there. Um, don't even go with some sort of an agenda or anything else. Just go to the Sacred Valley and just be. Just be. That's literally what uh, what I felt like was going to happen. We ended up having some amazing yoga sessions. And yoga was really the piece that started transforming things for me. I could feel these emotional blocks inside me start moving. We did um, certain practices, and I don't remember the names of them, but we did one that was uh, like you're in a squatting position, right? It's almost like a frog type position, like you're going to leapfrog. And on the way up, you would say ha, and on the way down, you would say ta, right? So ha, ta. And it sounds ridiculous, but when you do that for seven or eight minutes continuously, and you're like yelling this out, something starts happening inside. And if you would have just told me that, so there's no way that's not really going to happen. But when I experienced it, it's when these emotional blockages that I've got surrounding my heart and that chakra area just started moving. And, uh, and I felt it, um, physically felt the blocks being removed. And then meditation afterwards, um, I just started really feeling, you know, just opened up and lighter. And my body just started craving um, really good foods, right? Like I was a, let's go to Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, I'll get iced coffee and I would get, you know, an apple fritter, right? I would kind of crave some of that. During this time, none of that was happening. And what I realized is when your heart chakra starts to heal, your body really starts craving the green juices, the kales, the, all the green foods, right? The veggies. And it's the first time I ever experienced that. Dana, you know, we, we talk about going on diets and things like that. Diets being hard sometimes. But when your body physically craves the good stuff, it's an amazing feeling because you don't feel guilty, right, for you know, eating any of that stuff. So one night was super transformational for me there. We were in the sanctuary, uh, what we called the sanctuary. It's this amazing, huge yoga meditation room. Uh, with this just beautiful crystal that probably was bigger than I am in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the floor underneath glass and it was lit up. It was at night and we had just gone through some exercises to start moving some blockages around. We went into this deep meditation and it's in that time that I really started getting a glimpse of how important it is to love and accept our inner child, right? Mm-hmm. And there was some work that was you know, being done around that inner child work for myself. And uh, it all kind of came to a head at that point for me. You know, I, I had this experience where I, you know, I was in meditation and all of us, about 15 of us, were all laying on the ground in that sanctuary. And I could see myself and I could just see it so vividly rise above all of them and just kind of turn and I could look down and see from above all of them laying there and they were all holding their, their young toddler self, their young five, five year old self. Right. And it was this, you know, I just, I couldn't hold the tears back. It was absolutely just, um, I just started letting them flow. And it was because I could sense the love and the healing that was taking place because every single one of those women, um, you know, whether they were verbalizing it at the time or not, I could feel the energy around it. They weren't feeling worthy. They weren't feeling valued, right, in their own life. And it was because of things that had happened back in their toddler years or their their teenage years. And, you know, when we really go back and we start really spending time with that younger self, that's where the healing, I feel like, is 100% going to be that overnight magic pill for you. But a lot of times we... You know, either maybe we haven't heard about it or we've heard about it. But we just kind of think it's still a little bit, uh, a little bit out there. Right. But I will tell you, that is the thing that um, and I know we're going to talk about it probably in a second. But that is the thing that helped me the most unblock and, uh, and heal um, so much. Just seeing that vision of, you know, you, Dana, like I can see you right now holding your younger self right next to you. And what would you say to that younger self? You know, like there's a time that if you sat in meditation 
for five or ten minutes, you could probably take yourself back to when you were six, seven, eight years old. And there are some things that were said to you that um, were not loving, right, that helped you create the persona that you have right now that you carry on the inside. Not what everybody else sees, but what's on the inside. And if you could spend time in front of that seven-year-old self and just hold her and hug her and tell her that you're loved and that I love you so much, it doesn't matter what you can do or what you will do or what you have done in the past, I will always love you. Um, and when you get to that point and you're truly seeing yourself and you're truly feeling that environment and smelling that environment, um, that's when the healing really starts taking place. That's when it started really just transforming and, and moving in a quantum uh, level for me. Um, I just have to interject this really quick. I had the most vivid download the other day about this. Um, so I have a workbook already on my website that's free that people can download. And it's about kind of recognizing maybe where you're stuck right now, where you need healing at this point in your life. And I was driving, actually, as a matter of fact, and I had to pull out my phone and pull up my notes app and speak it out loud. Um, the idea for this workbook number two, and it's about going back and talking to yourself as a child. Uh, because the thing is, even as an enlightened adult right now, you can say, my dad was doing the best that he could do at the time. And even though he hurt me, I kind of understand that he was in this place or whatever. Or that kid who made fun of me in band class, like he, you know, he didn't know any better either. Or you can kind of understand maybe the soul connections now as an enlightened adult. And so you think, oh, it's kind of silly for me to think that that was about me back then. That was really about the other person. But a child doesn't know that. A child's world revolves around them. And so when someone leaves you as a child or abandons you or doesn't love you in a way that is helpful to your growth, you think it's about you. Kids do. And so it's really important to look back at your own self as a child and to heal that and to say it's okay. It's not your fault that such and such happened, X, Y, Z. So that's like the whole framework of my workbook. So you just, I love it. you just hit it right on the head and you're kind of giving me confirmation that that's definitely, I mean, I knew, but it's just nice to hear it again. That like, that's the way it needs to go. So 100%. If I, uh, if I go back and look at the, the big core pieces of healing, yeah. it's all surrendered, uh, all surrounding that, uh, that younger Josh Child version. Piece. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like I had, and it was interesting, you know, I had um, I had a pretty traumatic event happen when I was geez, probably three years old. I don't know the exact age, but uh, it took a friend of mine. This is interesting because um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I feel like maybe it would be good to talk about really quick. Um, so I had a friend, and she's the one that started talking to me a little bit about this inner child piece, right? And so we went back, and I told her, yeah, I had this event happen when I was three years old. My mom is an amazing person. And I had this uh, event happen where her boyfriend at the time had held me over the stove of a gas flame and um, I was burned, you know, on my stomach. And it's interesting because I don't remember that being in my body. I only remember it outside of my body watching it. And um, which I know now that that's a defense mechanism or you know, our soul takes, right? It doesn't want to experience it. So it pulls out, so it sees it, all of it happening. And that event was, um, I mean, you can just imagine, right, what you would go through during that. So she said, Josh, what if you go back and recreate that event the way that you would like for it to have gone, right? And so when I did that, all I could do was say, the way that I would recreate it would be my mom would have stopped it, right? And my dad was not in the picture, right? I didn't even know who he was, but my thought was my mom would have stopped it and she would have held me and got rid of the guy, right? Like that's how I thought to have fixed it. She said, well, Josh, let me just, let me just interject this. What if your dad, your biological father showed up in that moment and took you from that guy's arms, got rid of the guy for you and went over, held you tight and told you that you were loved and you're protected and that he'll always be there for you. And then went over and hugged your mom, gave you back to your mom, 
And when he left, just said that I'll always be here for you. And, you know, when she, and it's difficult to even say that now without getting somewhat emotional, but that's a thought that I had never thought of. And I think it's important for people to understand this. I'd never thought of it because my environment was conditioned up until that point to not know that he existed. So I didn't even know that that healing could take place. I needed somebody else's point of view and somebody else's perspective to inject that in. And so you may have listeners that are listening that are trying to do this all on their own. And I would just challenge you talk to a friend um, because that friend has a different perspective. And sometimes that different perspective could be the very thing that actually um, triggers your healing. That's so true. And also I think there's so much that happens before we even have a solid memory. Um, so I had an astrology reading a couple years ago. I was born in 1984 and she was like, what happened in 1986? And I was like, I don't know. I've got no clue. <laughs> like I was two yeah, years old. I don't two. remember. What do I know? Yeah. So we kind of just like blew past it. She was like, okay, well it's something with your dad and it's significant. So just, you know, put it in your back pocket for later. And I was like, okay. Called my mom when I got off the reading and she was like, oh yeah, that's the year that your dad went to cocaine rehab for the first time. So that's the first wow. time I was left as a kid. So, wow. you know, I just think that we don't always remember even some of these things because we're so little. So yeah, tapping into a friend or a family member who can kind of help you fill in those gaps is super important. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's been my experience. I feel like that women are a little bit more um, open to being vulnerable, right, in that stage. So they, they will go and maybe talk to a friend a little bit easier than a guy will. I'm just here to tell you, you know, guys, if you're listening, uh, which I hope you are, uh, it's okay. You know, open up. You know, I, I do the death test now a lot, right? And for me, the death test is, you know, if I were to die tonight, does any of this really matter? So yeah. should I should I talk to my friend about this? Yeah, I should because my friend probably, if they're a good friend, would want to know that I'm going through it anyway, would want to be able to help. And you probably have people like that in your life. So, guys, it's okay. Open up. Be vulnerable. And, uh, and go talk to somebody. Well, my husband's listening. There's at least one guy. Awesome. <laughs> I make him listen every episode. <laughs> well, welcome. We, we're at least talking yeah. to one guy here. <laughs> Perfect. Hopefully. All right. That was, I mean, that was an awesome little aside, but I do want to go back to your Peru trip. So um, let's go back to that moment where you were seeing everyone holding their younger selves and, and tell me what continued to happen from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I can just see... Um, and it was interesting because Claire was the one who came up to me afterwards and said, Josh, you need to understand not everybody sees visions like that, right? So you need to, um, just, just stay in that moment and, and allow yourself to feel those things. It's not that anybody's better than anybody else or anything like that. Everybody meditates differently. Everybody has different things that unlock for them. And, uh, and so when I saw that vision, it just really, I can't even explain the amount of love that I had for every single person in that room in a non-romantic way, right? Because I was the only guy. Oh, I'm sorry, no, there's uh, one of the guys who's amazing. Um, but the, the rest were women, right? And just to see everybody hold themselves. And I just got this vision of, Dana, what if we really walked around every day and we saw everybody as their seven- and eight-year-old self, right? So back in the late 80s, early 90s, we were still out riding bikes and playing kickball and doing all the things outside. What if we really, you know, at what point did we stop being that person, you know? And we're, we were never not that person. I want to interject, too. When we go back and talk to that inner child self, we want to get deep for a second and understand that time is all just an illusion for us, right? So when... When we go back, we're not really going back. We're going back in the sense that we believe that time is in the past or in the future or as opposed to right now. Everything is happening right now. It's just on a different plane, right? So if we were to just, quote, unquote, go back to that seven-year-old self or for you, the two-year-old self, when dad went to rehab and you embrace her and talk to her, it sends a quantum ripple through your entire life. And it doesn't mean that you're healed just now. It's... Healing takes place for that 20 years in between or 30 years in between. It's, it's something I really can't explain, but I witnessed it starting to happen in Peru. And I could feel uh, 
what we call Pachamama, right? Pachamama is Mother Earth in Peru. I could feel her presence. And the meditation went on to experience um, for me. I started, I walked into this, um, if you've ever seen like Game of Thrones, right? Or any of those type of uh, old school medieval castles, right? These beautiful, just massive castles where you walk in and you can see like the pews, um, almost like a big Catholic church, right? Mm-hmm. I was walking down the aisle and it was filled with all these people that I love. And I get to the bottom of this staircase that leads up and I can see this you know, woman um, just sitting up on a throne, right? And uh, I'm at the bottom of the, um, the staircase and she looks to me and she says, you know, come, right? So I walk up the staircase and I get in front of her and I, I get down on my knee, right? And this is all just, it's happening innately. And I get down on my knee in front of her as if I'm like worshiping this person. And I could tell like the feeling around it was it's absolutely mother earth. This is Pachamama or this is her energy, right? And she touches me on the shoulder and she said, rise. Um, she's like, it's, it's your time. And she puts her hand on my chest, Dana. And when she does this, it's this amazing amount of love that I've never felt before um, at that, up until that moment, just floods over top of me. And she turns me around physically, and I can see uh, my family members, my daughters. I can see all the people that I care about in these rows of, you know, um, like pews, right? But it doesn't stop there. It goes, like, to eternity. Like, I can just see the waves of souls and energy um, just keeps going. And so I sent this, and I feel like it's almost this Care Bear moment, right? So I sent this amazing love from my chest out to all of these people, Mm. um, which just gave me so much love, right? But the remarkable thing was for me, I had a really good, um, really great at giving love, but I was not good up until that moment at receiving love. And all of these people essentially were mirrors and just um, just sent all of that love right back to me. But I felt it um, just absorbing into my chest and just flooding my entire body. And the tears were just flowing, right, to know that the amount of love that I have for people is still the same amount of love that they have for me and that it's okay to receive that, right? And to, you know, to take down the walls and the protection that we have around our heart. And guys, we have a lot of that protection around our hearts. And even as women, you know, we do as well. And so to feel that experience and know that it came from other earth, I just knew that, uh, there was something very special with the energy of this earth and it connects me and it connects all of us to, to that healing piece. And, um, yeah, the the meditation stopped, uh, pretty quickly after that because I was just like overwhelmed. Like this is such an amazing experience and I could feel the healing taking place. Wow, that's just insane. Not in a bad way. Insane, like so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was re- it was ridiculous. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, it's hard yeah. for men to open that heart chakra, and that's you know a big piece of why I wanted to interview you because I don't think this happens very often, and so hearing your story is important for people. So that's amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. We, um, you know, as guys, we're conditioned to believe that that's weak, right? To uh, to cry or to feel really to have those emotions and you know so there's there's a thing called divine masculine right and divine femininity and I know that uh, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk about that more in the future but the divine masculine is not so much what most people would think right as um, just this you know warrior mentality you know the masculine male type piece it's all about like action and doing and you know really what the U.S. is about right now and what we've, as a culture, kind of come to, right? We've got to have the big house. We've got to, like, do all of this stuff. The divine feminine has been really forgotten um, by a lot of men. It's the piece that is that intuitive, artistic, creative side, the piece that's going to really feel things. And so I knew that, and this was Claire teaching me this, um, you know, I knew that I needed to work on my heart chakra in order to actually open up that um that conduit, that portal for the divine feminine to flow through. And Mother Earth is all about that. And so it was just a beautiful experience to see, without knowing all of that was connected, how Mother Earth, Pachamama, right, is connected to the divine feminine, is connected to the healing, and even my inner child. And 
just all of this beautiful, there's no way that I could have scripted all of that. And it's just a great validation of how amazing our universe really is and how much love uh, we really do have inside of us. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Yep. It's just amazing. You can't make this kind of stuff up. It just, it's too much synchronicity to be, to be planned, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So since that experience for you, um, I'm interested in hearing kind of your take on how men can kind of support women. What is sort of, um, sort of the higher vibration that men can kind of come into in order to support women in healing their pain, if that makes sense. Can I ask you that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know, I, it all comes down to just men being authentic, right? Um, it comes down to us being exactly who we're called to be, which is, sounds cliche to say, right? Um, but there's so much truth in it. And then when you actually experience that truth, you realize, wow, holy shit, like, okay, Josh actually maybe was on to something. And I say that because the visions that have come to me that what we call the quantum downloads. Um, I had some healing take place in Miami with Rachel Hope. I know that she's a mutual friend and, uh, you know, some of that just really unlocked so many amazing pieces. And one of them, um, two of them really were all centered around women. I've felt for a very long time that I'm, I'm called to kind of help women. Right. And so what I realized out of that weekend with Rachel that it wasn't so much directly helping women. It's no, I need to help heal the hearts of um, men and then healing the hearts of men indirectly is going to heal a lot of women out there because men, um, and this is not stereotyping all men, right? There are some amazing people out there that are authentic and healed and vulnerable and all of that. Right. But there are some men out there. I think we can agree that still treat women in a way that is not, healthy for women, right? It's not, we don't act out of our heart, we're acting out of hurt. And so one of the visions that I uh, had had, it was profound for me is, you know, I was meditating. I think it starts there for a lot of men. Um, meditating, clearing your thoughts. I got to a point where I had this experience. Um, it was during the sunrise on Emerald Isle, North Carolina, right there on the beach. The water's gorgeous. Sun starts coming up. And I can feel the heat on my face. And I just had this amazing vision of this woman, absolutely gorgeous woman, um, looking into a mirror. And instead of her seeing all of her imperfections coming back at her, right, all of the things that she wants to change, she hates her nose, she wants to lose a couple of pounds, all the things that a lot of women just go through and say, these are things I want to change about myself, all those imperfections, all she could see was the beauty in that sunrise, uh, coming back to her in her body, right? So it was the outline of her body, but the inside was the universe, right? I don't think there's a person out there that would deny the beauty that we see in nature and the beauty that we see in Mother Earth. Um, I mean, look at, just go and hashtag nature, and there's probably like 50 million hashtag pictures on Instagram. It's because we love those images, right? Yeah. And so, so the vision I had, the feeling I had during that meditation was, what if that woman got to a space where instead of her seeing the imperfections, she saw the love that she has because we are all mirrors of our environment and mirrors of each other. What if instead of her seeing those imperfections, she actually saw the beauty in the universe inside of her because the beauty that she is seeing in the universe and in the sunrise and in the sunset and in the stars and the galaxy and the comets, all of that is the beauty that is inside of each one of us. And you have to get to a point where you're able to see it. And when you have your walls up and that protection up, it's impossible to see it. And so as men, the way that we get there is we start meditating. And I started realizing that it's really about worth and value for a lot of my women friends. They started talking to me and just opening up. And it all came down to they felt you know, valuable and maybe worthy in the workplace because there, there was a game plan for them, right? They knew that, okay, they had to go to college, they get a certification, they go through the management roles, the ladders, whatever. There was this sense of accomplishment and achievement that you get to and they felt valuable. But it was at home that they didn't feel worthy or they didn't feel valuable. And that's at the core of what we all really want to feel, loved, valuable, worthy, right? And so what I realized is 
in men, if we were to open up our hearts and truly have that experience where we look into a mirror and instead of seeing our own imperfections, right, we're now seeing the beauty of the universe inside of us. That in turn is going to help us treat our wives, our counterparts, right, our partners in a much more loving way, which is going to help fill their worth bucket, help fill their value bucket. And it could allow us to love our daughters a lot easier um, or a lot more effectively, right, and our wives. And uh, it's going to provide you know, a lot of healing. There's going to be some women that maybe listen to this and they're going to say, well, I don't need a man's love to you know, feel worthy or to feel valuable or to heal me. And that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying that it can absolutely have a ripple effect and indirectly it will help a lot of people. And those are the visions that I started seeing. That's really cool. I love that. I mean, that's great advice for anybody. So um, let's flip that around too. And I want to ask you um, what tips or strategies do you have for women to really help understand men better? I mean, I think there's such a divide right now, you know, that they, it's just hard to kind of understand where men are coming from and how can we support them in their evolution? I think you support them in their evolution by you evolving yourself. Um, you know, it's, it's the very thing that attracted me to my wife in the very beginning was she was evolving herself. You know, she didn't need me to help her evolve. And there's something very attractive about you owning your own shit, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's about you doing the hard work, being authentic, evolving, and realizing there's a lot of truth that you don't need the man to make you feel these certain things, right? And so in you owning that for yourself, um, you're going to get to a point where his evolution right as slow or as fast paced as it may be is not going to affect you and the second piece of that i think is if you could allow yourself to get to a point where you just view that man as the six-year-old man yeah right because he's in there um you just gotta you just gotta get to him if you allow yourself to get to that point you're gonna love him in a much uh easier way right because I would admit it's probably very difficult for my wife to love me some days. Um, and I think we all have those days, but yeah. you know, if we, um, if we allow ourselves to get to the point where we're looking at them as that three-year-old, that four-year-old, that five-year-old self, because think about it, if you have kids, which I know you do, Dana, mm -hmm. and that little, you know, that little three-year-old throws a tantrum, right. And just starts mouthing off for whatever reason, because it happens for whatever reason. It's, um, it's pretty easy as parents to look at them and just kind of laugh, you know, it's like, Look at this little person trying to be an adult, right? <laughs> yeah. And so what if what if we allow ourselves to have our partner be in that same image for us when they get into their spouts, right? And in their emotional vortex of just wanting to spiral into a negative spot, allow ourselves to view them as that three-year-old or that four-year-old. So look at this little person, this little this little entity, this little being trying to uh, trying to be human, right? Because that's really all it's about as we're this this soul body that's um, just taking up residence in this human form in this three-dimensional area, all moving towards this fifth-dimensional area, which does provide for that huge divide uh, that I think is happening in our world right now. And it's, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting, and it gives me a lot of hope um, to see what's happening. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's funny that you say that because um, my husband was cleaning out our closet yesterday, and he found an old wallet of his, and inside was his kindergarten school picture, which is how old our son is. And we had a real good laugh about, like, the shirt that he had on, and, like, his hair looking like a helmet on his head. But I'm like, we need to keep that out. And, like, you know, it just goes with this whole theme of, like, the download that I had and now what you're talking about. It's just, it's, I think it's a great idea to have a picture of yourself and your spouse out as children so that you have something tangible to look at. It's a nice uh, reminder. So it's just funny. I think that's, that's a, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. In fact, uh, as you were saying it, I've already got a few pictures like in my mind to, uh, to go print out. So when we're done, I'm probably gonna print those out. We'll print awesome. them up and, and keep them out. Cause you're right. It's just such a good reminder. Mm -hmm. It really is. I also think just one other point I want to make, 
I think that we also just take ourselves and our children and our spouses or our friends, we take it all too seriously. You know, we just, something happens, there's a conflict, and we we take it like this is just the worst thing ever. We just get so serious. We get so in it. And if you can see that person as a child, that almost brings a lightness to it to remind us that nothing is unmanageable. You know, nothing is in, so insurmountable. And um, so I just think that kind of brings it back down a little bit. You're exactly right. Yeah. And it brings us, you know, brings us to the now. You know, as yeah. kids, we like to play and we didn't care about the future or the past at that point. It was all about now and we're just playing. Yeah. It's kind of a grounding thing to be in the present to not try to be thinking about the future. I know for myself, sometimes I will, my son will do something and I'll project something on it and I'll be like, oh my God, he's a psychopath. Like the fact that he just manipulated the situation to get whatever dessert he wants. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to like be crazy someday. I mean, I blow it way up and then I have to be like, this is insane. <laughs> just yeah. chill. He just instead of, dessert, yeah, no, like, I totally get it. Instead of, you know? instead of celebrating his intelligence <laughs> right. in that moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we go to the negative sometimes. We can. So I think just trying to be back in that present moment is a really good strategy for that. So so we've kind of touched on this a little bit kind of here and there throughout the interview, but what would you say is a major misconception or misunderstanding about men that you think in general needs to be brought to light? I think, um, I think I really just hate these labels, you know, um, <clears throat> I know there was a commercial by Gillette uh, that was released this year, uh, and it started this whole toxic uh, masculinity um, kind of conversation, right? Whatever. And it's, it's less than a conversation. <laughs> it's more of an argument, I feel like. And, you know, really, I feel like, right, at the core of that message, it's just saying don't be a jerk, you know? Like, when you see somebody being a jerk, let's uh, let's just kind of love on them a little bit, Um I will say that I feel like probably the common misconception is that, you know, that all guys are these, um, yeah, I don't know, nothing against hunters, right? But like, just want to go hunt and um, just do all these crazy, quote unquote, masculine things. And they don't have any feelings, right? And that we would just, we're taught to be the leader of a family and just go move on. And, um, and that's not the case, you know, that, Every single, I've seen grown men that are the hardest of the hardest shells, um, just break down and cry, right? And every single one of those men all have feelings and emotions. They're in there, but our society, right, rightfully or wrongfully, has caused us to build this outer shell up to not allow you to see my vulnerability and not allow you to see my weaknesses, um, because in those weaknesses. You may take advantage of me. A lot of guys think that, right? And so I was in the Marine Corps for eight years, and serving with Marines was, you know, one of the greatest honors of my life. It allowed me to move into that manhood space, I feel like. And I, again, I was able to see the largest, most muscular guys get broke down. And I can tell you 100%, every single one of them has a heart, it beats. It is intelligent, just like yours, women, and it feels, right? So when you are looking at, you know, your big bear of a husband or partner or whoever, and then he's putting on that front, as women, it's amazing because a lot of you have that divine femininity, that intuition just runs through you a lot more easily than some guys because you shut it down. You know innately mm -hmm. that there's feelings happening inside that guy. And I will just tell you, don't uh, don't ignore it. Um, our society's done a really good job at allowing us to um, to just hold this title of we're all just Spartan warriors. Don't get me wrong, we are. Like I have that run through me. Every guy has it run through him. But we've also equally got that divine feminine, and we've got this creativity and feelings and uh, emotions that run through us that we would love to uh, be able to showcase maybe a little bit more. I think that's a really big common misconception. That's actually a common misconception around a lot of the guys too, because some of them are in denial right now yeah. and it will, um, it will surface, you know, it's all, it's just taking time and it's taking place and it's at the right moment. It's a very exciting time to just be alive. I feel like over the next five or seven years to watch this evolve. Yeah, I agree. I think 
men are just so conditioned in our society to see themselves a certain way that the idea of being something different than that is just hard for people to reconcile. And I think they feel like a part of themselves is dying if they're not 100% this warrior figure like you're talking about. And so I think a lot of it is just being able to see themselves in a different perspective. That's really where it starts is just being open to the idea that it can exist. So absolutely. Yeah. It actually took a, uh, so about uh, maybe seven, eight months ago, I had what's called a destiny session uh, with a lady named Janet. She's amazing. She's out of New York city. She's a close friend of mine now. And in this destiny session, she was able to do a quick past life regression and said, Josh, you were absolutely one of the most elite warriors that you could have imagined right back then and carry that into this lifetime, which is why you have that very strong sense of warrior mentality. She's like, but your challenge during this lifetime is not to be a warrior that takes lives. You're actually a warrior now that gives life, right? You're a, you're a warrior of light instead of the opposite. And when she said that to me, it's almost like she gave me permission Right to allow myself to be in that space, and um, and it was very, you know, it was very moving. And there's a lot of guys right now that feel exactly the same way. They know they're a warrior, and they just want to go fight. They don't know what they're fighting for, and they're fighting for the wrong things a lot of times. But when we give them permission to go fight for the light, right, to see the light in every single person out there, and bring that and give life to people instead of take life away from them, it's an amazing shift that happens. Amazing. So in that vein, um, you've shared a lot with us already about what you've healed or, you know, you've worked on healing in the past. What are you currently kind of working on healing within yourself? Oh, all of what I just talked about still. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like it's not a, it's not a, um, like I'm not done with it. You know, it's a constant work and um, I get really, my biggest thing right now is um, when you have some of this healing take place, you get on this high, you know, and you just feel so connected to everything. Um, the leaves outside, the trees outside, literally, I would go out and I, look, I'm just going to be honest and vulnerable. I hugged a tree, right? And yeah. to do that and to feel that, you know, to know that that tree has emotions, like that it has a conscious, that there is a piece in there that can speak if you listen. Uh, it's pretty amazing. But you start feeling this high and at some point you're going to come down off of it. And, and this 3d world, this third dimensional world is going to get to you at some point. And that's what I'm working on is trying to uh, maintain that level of awareness and you know, connectivity, right? Just staying connected. Um, Cause I go through ups and downs. Um, but I will tell you that it's meditation that brings me back every time. And um, if you are one of the very many people that have a hard time meditating and clearing your thoughts, just know that that's where I was at as well. And when I started beginning meditating and it took a little bit of time, but I got there. And so now, you know, we call it dropping in, right? So now I can drop in and within 30 seconds, I'm in that space where my thoughts are gone. You know, my, I've cleared them. And in doing that, um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of knowledge, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in the saying of, you know, just go within, like your answers are inside. And so I've found that when this third dimensional world gets to me and I have those, uh, those human emotions flare up, you know, in the negative side, when I go and I take some time, even if it's five minutes and I just drop in, right, that calmness washes over me and I realize I get back to center Center is me. He's in there. And that guy that's in there is actually the same guy that's inside you, Dana. We are all connected. It's in there. And I, um, you know, I'm just able to, uh, to just kind of allow that healing process to still take place. And so, yes, I feel a thousand times more healed, but I know that there's work to be done. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, but I know that uh, for me, it's just a continuous process and it's beautiful. It's, it's become almost an addiction to me to allow myself to get to that point and experience the healing and allow those synchronicities of the universe to just flow through us. No, I love that you said that because um, I think it was my second episode. Um, I talked about five things that I want my listeners to know about healing. And one of them, I can't remember which number it was because I didn't write them in any importance, but 
um, it was that healing honestly never ends. And I had a lot of friends listen to that episode and come up to me and they were like, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? Like, I really have to work on this the rest of my life. And I was like, yeah, like, I hate to say it, but like, you're going to make huge leaps and the amount of times you have to tap yourself back in line are going to become fewer and further between. But yes, like we are conditioned toward the pain that, that, you know, is, I don't want to say behind us. Cause like you were saying, time is not linear, but that exists within us. And you're always going to have to face those demons. They're just going to come up one way or another, and you're going to have to tap it back. And you need to have the tools in place. Like you said, meditation, um, hopefully that works for, um, my other listeners, but there might be something else that works really well for you, but whatever that is to bring you back to yourself is what you've got to turn to every single time. Yeah. And once that healing starts to take place, you realize it's a beautiful journey. It's not even, you know, we say the yeah. work, right? Right. But it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I will tell you like, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful experience to just see happen. And look, like we all learned how to walk. So right. we, we know how to walk right now, right. but yet we still, we still fall. Like, the curb, you know, comes out of nowhere sometimes and we trip and fall, right? That doesn't mean that we don't, that we don't know how to walk anymore. It's the same thing. Once you become healed and that healing starts taking place, there's little things that will happen, right? To allow us to just kind of hone that healing a little bit more. We'll have those little trips and falls and uh, you'll be able to just get back a lot quicker. Yeah. And I also think it's easy when you listen to a podcast like this, or if you read a self-help book, it's so easy to read it from the framework that the per- the author or the person who is talking has like magically healed themselves and that they figured it all out. And we're comparing ourselves to them and saying, well, they did it. Why can't I do it? But the thing is, they're still doing it. They're just, yeah. they're just sharing how they made a leap, you know? Um, so I just think I appreciate that you said that because I think um, that is something I hope to convey in almost every single episode is that, yeah, you're never going to be 100% healed and that's okay to learn to embrace it. So thank you for saying that. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for your time. This was, um, super enlightening. And, um, my goal is to have you on again another time to kind of talk about, um, you touched on the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And I think it's important to kind of go over, what that actually means, what those traits are and kind of help how we can embody them and help to heal them. And so we will get into all of that another time and, um, it'll be awesome. So I love it. Yeah. I would welcome the opportunity and I just, uh, I really appreciate you having me on, uh, feel super honored. Um, love the work that you're doing right now to help, uh, to just help heal the, the hearts of so many women out there. They need it. And with four daughters, um, I'm super grateful that you're doing this work because they may not listen to it today, mm-hmm. but but what if, right? In 10 years, they're able to listen to this and hear words come out of your mouth that uh, that heals you know, my family. So yeah, just I really do appreciate the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. And I just appreciate that you were willing to kind of share your heart kind of literally in this episode. And Um, your story about opening your heart chakra meant a lot. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Wasn't that amazing? Josh's mission and message are just so near and dear to my heart. And I'm so grateful for the work that he is doing and the message that he is working to spread for men everywhere. If you are interested in really diving into healing the inner child within you, like Josh talks about, you are in luck because I have created a workbook to do just that. And it is debuting today, the day that Josh's episode goes live in honor of that. If you are interested in this and would really like some structure and some form around how to work with the inner child, go to my website. AthenaRisingPodcast.com. Click on offerings. Make sure that you download and complete the healing workbook number one first. This is a free download. Anyone can get it. And so just download that, work through that first, and then you can purchase the healing workbook number two when you are ready. This workbook really dives into your past, your pain, your trauma, recurring patterns of behavior or thoughts and emotions that you had when you were younger, and we connect them to how they're manifesting in your life today. 
if you are sitting here thinking, I really don't have any traumatic moments from my childhood that I can think of, I guarantee you that you have gone through a hard time at one point or another. Or we can pick up on recurring patterns of behavior or thoughts. For example, maybe you felt lonely your whole childhood and you wondered why you couldn't make any friends. Or maybe you were an overachiever and you always just push, 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 push and never gave yourself a break. And so we will dive into whatever it is. This workbook is made for you to tailor it to yourself. Both workbooks are meant to be done over and over again to help you to continue to gain clarity on yourself, your past, and why your present looks the way that it does. So if you are interested in doing this work alongside me, make sure you head to my website and check that out. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at athenarisingpodcast.com or at athenarisingpodcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.